Welcome to the Holding Hands and Throwing Fist Podcast. I got the mic. And I have the opinions. It's season eight, episode four, and you started the notes, so who knows if it's actually episode four or not. You thankfully had copied it and pasted and changed it to episode four. I did not have anything to do with it. Therefore, it is correct. Yeah. <laughs> so... Man, I know t- I know today is going to be a good one. Why is that? I know it because we both look so good right now. Mm-hmm. I also know it because it is before 7 p.m. That's nice. And it's also because we're both off of work today. And it's the only thing we got to do today. And it's the only thing that we have to do. It's pretty nice. If we were actually getting paid for this, it would be pretty freaking nice because the content that you're going to get today, everybody, is just stellar, let me tell you. It is stellar. Yeah. The thing is, if we were getting paid to do this, would we have to do it more than once a week? No, but we'd have to do video, which you don't want to do. I mean, we should just post a picture of what we both look like. (laughs) So I'll just paint the scene for you. I'm wearing pink glasses with my Patrick Ewing jersey <laughs> and a yellow sweatshirt on the floor. You are wearing a face mask. And he just called me Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> yeah, well. They are really creepy. Yeah, they're But I'm going to look mad youthful after this. You're going to have a glow. All right. So for this episode, I would like to kick things off. Do you mind? Do it. For Bye. once. Sheesh. Sheesh. I'm great and I shine. (laughs) I would like to take a little bit of a deep dive into the rules when inside the octagon. As you all know, I am a big fan of following the rules and I am not a big fan of cheaters. This week, Randy Brown and Yan Zhao Nan both won their fights. But both of them broke the rules by grabbing the fence. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, both fights were also pretty close. So if the rule was enforced, it would have made a difference in the winner of the fights and therefore also the paycheck of the fighters they lost to. So there's just like the little backstory for what inspired my little deep dive there's implications to cheating babe there's fucking implications financial implications life implications thank you fuck cheating the rules of the octagon have obviously come up in past episodes however we've never really explained the rules in a clear and succinct way so here i go go for it number one grabbing the cage surrounding the octagon is illegal it disrupts the flow and it is unfair if it stops a fighter from getting the position they have earned you cannot do that i started with that rule because that is precisely what changed the flow of two fights this weekend and neither referee said anything or did anything about it so why don't they put it in the rules that you automatically either get a point deducted or you get the position? Like, why don't they just start it, stop the fight, and then be like, okay, cool, you're starting from bottom position now on the ground? 
you know, I get it when they don't do anything because they just don't see it, right? It depends on the angle of the referee. Sometimes they miss it. However, when Herb Dean starts like smacking someone's hand away, it's like they know they're holding on. I don't get it. This in particular is a rule that I feel like has to be enforced because there's no way for this to accidentally happen. Another rule that I don't think can be accidental, therefore it needs to have some sort of consequence, is it is illegal illegal to grab an opponent's gloves or shorts. Makes sense. If they do so, take a motherfucking point. They know they should not be doing that shit. Things get a little bit trickier when it comes to illegal strikes because some of these can happen accidentally. For example, headbutts and eye gouging not allowed. Shocking. (laughs) However, accidental headbutts happen all the time. Most recently, many people think that Talia Santos was the closest to being able to beat women's flyweight champ Valentina Shevchenko. Oh, yeah. We missed that fight, but But we heard heard about it on Twitter and stuff. She was so close, but after an accidental headbutt that hurt Santos, Valentina did regain control and obviously kept her title. Um, Also, biting, spitting, and hair pulling is not allowed inside the octagon. Deliberately planting an opponent head first or spiking is also illegal. I remember when Jessica Andrade kind of did this to Rose Namajunas because we didn't see it live, um, but we did see it after and George was like doing his kind of standard freak out about how bad it could have been. It could have been awful. It could have been been paralyzed. Absolutely. And after it happened, Rose said she was affected by how scary that could have been in terms of an injury. Throat strikes are not allowed when fighting. Dude, throat strikes are my dad's like second favorite kind of strike, to be honest. After the foot stomp? He... The foot stomp is kind of in combination with like the shoulder punch, which everybody was like, oh, Connor invented the shoulder punch. Wrong. People have been doing it in MMA forever, and my dad's been doing it since the fucking late 70s. (laughs) Fish hooking techniques, such as pulling the nose or mouth open of an opponent is illegal. Knees or kicks to the head of a grounded opponent, also illegal. Mm -hmm. You all know this is how Pyotr Jan famously lost to Aljamain Sterling. And it is also how Aljo earned the bantamweight belt, which was super controversial. And Aljo got a lot of shit for taking an illegal strike. And I say, good for you, Aljo. Why should you fucking keep fighting like the rest of these fools who say, oh, it's okay. Anthony Smith, I'm looking at you. I fucking love you so much, but you could have beaten John Jones, the ultimate cheater. He should have been champion. He could have got another $500,000 or millions of dollars because he would have been champion. And now I'm just fucking reading a story about Anthony Smith and this is why I'm fucking fired up along with my Hannibal Lecter mask that's going in my mouth because Anthony Smith had leg issues. He just had fucking blood clot issues and then there was some other shit. So like... Anthony Smith's time has come and gone. Number one fucking cheater, John fucking Jones. Ruined Anthony Smith's life. Thanks for going with me on that trip. So I'm always down. (laughs) Thankfully, Aljamain Sterling and Piotr Jan fought again after um, that illegal knee to the head. Paul never lies. 
and Aljo clearly won a decision. Another rule that fighters have to follow when inside the octagon is that any strikes to the back of the head or, or spine are are illegal this comes up all the time because it's like what exactly is the back of the head if a fighter moves when another fighter is mid-strike or you know there's some things you can't necessarily control danger danger uh strikes to the groin are also illegal again these happen a lot both accidentally and maybe not so accidentally last but not least it doesn't seem like it's technically against the rules but you've all heard george talk about checking the oil apparently that's fair game hey (laughs) so before i wrap up i'd just like to add that since these rules are very clear mma referees need to do a better job of making sure fighters who don't follow these rules deal with the consequences such as a point off or in the case of very illegal strikes you do not ask the fighter if they want to continue those types of strikes mean the fight is over and the cheater has lost (sighs) mike heck and ak lee of mma fighting have recently been encouraging fighters in a facetious way of course to cheat because fighters can get away with it so um that just goes to show you how much shit fighters get away with refs Please make fighters follow the rules. The rest of us have to follow the rules in our respective careers. Mike Heck um, said that he got tweets and uh, text messages from coaches uh, after the fence grab on Saturday. And it was like, just cheat, right? Just cheat. (laughs) And I want an MMA fighting shirt that says just cheat. This this is my, I'm requesting it from Mike Heck. No, no, you got to make it and sell them the design. I think that's uh th- that's the freaking plan. I just don't understand because when you look at other combat sports, right? Like they'll take they'll take points and they'll give up position in grappling. I I could see it the most, right? Like in IBJJF, in ADCC. I mean, we watched that match with Craig Jones versus I think I, f- I forget who it was. Was it K- oh Kanan? Craig yeah. Jones versus Kanan in the finals round of the ninety nine kilos. I think yeah, he was deducting um, points. Yeah, right. he was deducting points literally left and right. And that was for stalling, which was like not as egregious as freaking kicking someone in the dick or holding onto the fence when they're trying to take it down. I think it's just ridiculous. I really don't understand why there's no enforcement of the rules. And I'm totally with you. Cheating's wrong and all that stuff. But if I was in the cage, I would just fucking no, cheat all I the time. No, I get it. Because there's literally no I don't think you disincentive. Would. I don't think you would, but I understand freaking martial what artist, you're babe. saying. Exactly. And I understand what Mike Heck is saying. Um, and so I want all of our friends who listen to also get as upset about the people who break rules, but before it was not possible because they didn't know all the rules. Now that you know them, get upset with us. There you go. <laughs> I like this. Uh, this season, we're, we're calling them deep dives into subjects, but it really should just be like we get mad about. <laughs> no, my my topic true. last week was not getting mad. Mm. Yeah, why'd they let female fighters in the UFC? <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> well, we had a great Unagi moment this week because you wanted to focus on the rules today, and I wanted to focus on the scoring. So I pulled up the unified rules, which I've uh, read several times but i read them again and i copied and pasted a whole bunch of them here with my little fucking tidbits so let's go through them okay 
based oh, on the unified hey. rules. All ballots will be evaluated and scored by three judges. Already there, you see so much. Why isn't it five? I think it should oh be five. Oh my gosh, I I, I'm not going to interrupt you. But it's I don't mind about the number of judges, but they should not be sitting in the audience, basically. I think there should be three in the audience and two in oh the skybox. Oh boy, that's going to have to be another day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is <laughs> all like tell them what, <laughs> what the rules are and yeah. then another episode in this season is going to be what we, be what we want them to <laughs> <Yeah>. be. <laughs> All right. Um, so there's the 10 point must system, and that would be the standard of scoring for about. Must under- get better than they are. <laughs> I'm done. That was Go. good. That was Sorry. good. <laughs> under the 10 point must scoring system, 10 points must be awarded to the winner of the round, and nine points or less be awarded to the loser, except for an even round, which is scored 10 to, uh, to 10. Already, I have my questions. As you know, we are huge fans, or at the very least, not haters of the tie. Basically, effective striking or grappling shall be considered the first priority around assessments. Effective aggressiveness is a plan B and should not be considered unless the judge does not see any advantage in the effective striking or grappling realm. (coughs) Excuse me. Cage ring control is plan C and should only be needed when all other criteria are 100% even for both competitors. This will be an extremely rare occurrence. Now we get into the nitty gritty of what effective striking or grappling means. So ambiguous. <coughs> Legal blows that have immediate or cumulative impact with the potential to contribute towards the end of the match with the immediate weighing in more heavily than the cumulative impact. Successful. Okay. So basically that means one hard ass punch to the dome is worse than a whole round of getting your ass kicked a little bit. Right. Pretty, pretty but how do you judge that? It's not your dome piece that's being hit. It's just like gymnastics in the Olympics, babe. What's a prettier tumble? Except this is about your dome getting knocked out. <laughs> All right. Uh, successful execution of takedown submission attempts reversals and the achievement of advantageous positions that produce immediate or cumulative impact with the potential to contribute to the end of the match of course with the immediate weighing more heavily than the cumulative impact shall constitute effective grappling it shall be noted that a successful takedown is not merely a changing of position but the establishment of an attack from the use of the takedown right so that's like when the wrestlers say like a takedown is just the two points. It's not. It's about taking someone down and then going for a submission or threatening it immediately. Top and bottom bottom position fighters are assessed more on the impactful, effective result of their action more so than their position. Their criteria will be the deciding factor in a high majority of decisions when scoring a round. Uh, the next two criteria must be treated as a backup and used only when effective striking or grappling is 100% equal for the round. So I say to you, if you are in bottom and you are in guard and you are causing more damage than the person on top, you should be getting that round. Which often happens. Which often happens, but still you're still disadvantaged you're still at a disadvantage if you're on bottom but you if you are in elbowing. a jujitsu tournament uh yeah but also like it's more likely that you're gonna get beat on than beat someone when you're on your back mm-hmm. but when you're on your back if you are elbowing and kicking and doing all this stuff which is what i said uh in a 
older, older episode that I think that because someone by being on top of you, but they're on their knees, they're technically a grounded opponent. You not being able to upkick them right in the fucking face from your back is a big hindrance to jujitsu and being good at having your guard. Because if you're lying back like this on your guard, you can't just upkick someone if they're on their knees. You can if they're, if they're standing up, yeah. yeah. But if they're on their knees and 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 pounding on you, you can't just go kaya. I wish our viewers could see. This is why we need video. You see I me see lying that. down I on the see couch. I see that going, now. Hiya. Wait, anyway. um, I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit here. Do you remember when these unified rules or judging? I'm sorry, changed because it's somewhat recent. I think I remember seeing 2017. Oh, so it's not as recent as I thought. But many, many fighters are so confused about how they are being judged. And they come out and say they think they won. But when you look at the rules, maybe the old rules you would have won because I do think there was more credence put to like just control. Um, But now like control is meaningless or just having a takedown is meaningless. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think they know that, which is also dumb. Like, yeah, it's but your that's, job. Yeah, that was changed. I just confirmed. That's why I didn't respond right away. But it is. it was in 2017. It's motherfucking five years, bro. Like, right. get this shit right. Yeah. Okay. And, and it is something that I do want to say. It's like with Bo Nickel, who is a... Like he's been like a pedigree wrestler since four years old and won a, a, a all American championship and like I think won a world championship and and was trying to compete for the team USA and all stuff. He's like an elite elite level athlete and he's joining the UFC. He just got signed from Dana White's Contender Series, and he he says it the best. He's like these we're not professional athletes. I I'm the first fucking professional athlete in the UFC. Like or one of the first, and I think it's fucking true, man. They need to start these these bozos need yeah. to be like really serious about the rules and really try to make it a professional fucking thing, man. Because yeah, it's unfortunate for them, just like we were talking about with your portion. And just I think I feel confident enough to say that holding hands and throwing fists are on the Bo Nickel bandwagon, right? Big big fucking time. Yeah. I've been a fan of Bo Nickel since. Do you do you did you remember what happened with him and Gordon Ryan? No, he he basically competed against fucking Gordon Ryan in a in a, like a modified jujitsu wrestling match, but like nobody else like wants to do that. And, and Gordon he fucking won. Did Gordon won, but like, dude, the, Gordon Ryan, G- G- Gordon, Gordon Ryan, Ryan won. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever, that's like a sign of somebody who's willing to go out yes. there and fucking compete with the best of the best in yes. sports that are not his. All right, not- maybe he's another deep dive too. Yeah, maybe I got flow grappling, so we could watch all his shit. Oh, cool. Okay. So, some other high level points that I noticed in scoring were 10 to 10 rounds are literally written in the criterion as being extremely rare which fucking sucks because I wish they were not 10 to 8 rounds uh, are all like we all know one fighter gets the shit beat out of them by another and a 10 to 7 round is written as extremely rare again for basically any round where there should have been stopped but it wasn't Um, what else is an important note I like this quote from the uh, Unified Rules where it says, MMA is an offensive-based sport. No scoring is given for mm. defensive maneuvers. Using smart, tactful, tactily, tactily, I don't know, it should have been tactfully, sound defensive maneuvers allow the fighter to stay in the fight and to be competitive. Mm. So you are not rewarded. Mm-hmm. Like in my case where all I do is play so much defense. <laughs> and I'm like, success, I'm still alive. 
Yes. But you don't get um, rewarded for that. The problem I have with this scoring is that I feel that the sport has evolved past it. The fighters have gotten so much better technically and in the conditioning that it makes it all difficult to make calls. So stay tuned for a future episode where I say what I think we should do. Because I really like, honestly, like just no time limit fight. Just keep going. But then there's also pride rules that it used to be 10 minutes. And then it was based on like how the fight ends versus just like a series of rounds where you could just win rounds. But there's right. always other things. Anyway, another thing that I think is really helpful is I really like MMADecisions.com. Luke Thomas speaks about them all the time. It shows the judges' results for basically every fight, the media scores for every fight, and it allows you to input your own score as well. Babe, you could see that in many close fights in UFC recent history, there's always a minority of people submitting their scores that are different. The perfect example is Jan versus Dern from this past weekend. Oh, what I just spoke about. The judges scored it for Jan. 10 out of the 19 media members scored it for Jan. Seven out of the 19 media members scored it a draw. And it was close, mm. so that's kind of whatever. But two media members scored it for Dern. One we don't know, so screw him. But babe, your oh. very own Jed Mushu scored it for fucking Dern. Wow. And he always fucking does that. He's wow. always on the other side. Very interesting. I'm I will I'm going to start submitting now that you very clearly explain the rules and judging criteria for me. I'm I'm inputting my something. All right, let's do it. MMA decisions. Yeah. Dot com. Dot holding hands, dot holding th- this. Dot throwing. <laughs> All right. I think it's time for some holding hands and throwing fists. Classics Rundown. Let's fucking do it. Go. Jesus Christ, this episode is already long. You see, people, this is what happens. A day off and we're willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start with a classic. Yeah. <laughs> MMA boo-boo. Alir Latifi, who won his boring-ass fight, went into the fight with an untraditional boo-boo for this segment. In his post-fight interview, he told everyone he just got diagnosed with a fucking staph infection two days before. Ew. And he still went into fight. Not only is this wrong to subject others to staff and potentially give them an MMA boo-boo, this guy was dumb enough to tell everyone. In case you don't know. Staph is a skin infection that is highly contagious. It usually takes one to three weeks to clear up with antibiotics. Latifi was idiotic to still fight someone knowing he has it. And I'm not really sure how the doctors didn't see this or actually allowed it. It's happened a few times. Um, but it's pretty freaking gnarly and also admitting it is like pretty stupid and also I'm petrified of getting staff and also it's worse than that the antibiotics thing and the whatever but if it does it, there's the case that it could turn into MRSA which is medically resistant staff uh <laughs> <laughs> and you can fucking lose a limb yeah this is it was an MMA boo-boo, but I am mad at him. We got pretty light MMA fashion this week. Bruce was uh, because the UFC, we didn't even talk about it. We're the only we're the only MMA podcast that didn't talk about this. But last week, I guess we're going to talk about it, so now we're not. And it's um, going to come up in the next Oh, is it? Holding hands and throwing fists classic. All right, so whatever. No one was in the UFC Apex this week, uh, this past week. You'll tell them about it. But Bruce wore a pretty traditional standard. I don't want to call it boring, but he wore all black. And I was like, oh, I was about to be like, ah, maybe it was a little boring. 
But, dude, the bling that Bruce had this weekend. And I, I'm like, I don't really notice the bling that he has, but he definitely had it this week. He had a huge diamond ring on and a huge bracelet on. And I was like, dude, All right. I need to get myself some fucking jewelry, bro. All right. You've, you've been wearing a ring lately. Your aura ring to track your sleep. I don't carry on what <laughs> just carry on <laughs> next up mma beef so george already alluded to this but the beef is all fans versus the ufc and mark zuckerberg fuck out of here zuck this weekend no family members no fans and no media members were allowed to watch fights in the ufc apex because zuckerberg decided to buy it out i guess I have a few, I have beef with a few things here. First of all, fuck you, Mark. Second of all, you're lame for picking this card. At least wave your money around with a good card. And finally, fuck you, UFC, for still using the UFC Apex so damn much. While George explained to all of us last week, it was a genius way to continue to be able to put on cards in the middle of a pandemic, there's no reason most UFC cards should still be held in this location. So I guess the MMA beef is really between me and Mark and the UFC. It'll still do. Yeah, but like if you Google on MMA fighting to like Twitter reacts uh, or whatever, MMA Twitter reacts to the UFC Apex event, a lot of people who were fighters, former fighters, people in the community, they were not happy. I am glad to hear that. Like uh, yeah, specifically UFC posted this picture of Mark standing up uh marky mark with his like fist in the air and he it, he was like uh the the caption was uh zuck is all of us and everyone was like no that is not all of us we wouldn't not allow freaking fighters families to be there uh and we wouldn't just be jerk offs and give tech me a oligarchs. fucking break give me a fucking break um luke thomas hates mark zuckerberg and he went on a freaking rant about it and it was great so that is wonderful and i wrote these notes monday but i listened to another podcast this morning when i was doing shit around the house and i do have to say this is that i i and everyone else we were all slightly misled because we were led to believe that mark zuckerberg requested and bought out an empty apex it seems as though dana white gave that privilege to mark zuckerberg when he found out that mark zuckerberg wanted to come so the zucky guy did not ask for it dana white gave it to him and sort of let mark zuckerberg take the bullet yeah but fuck them all oh still stand by it totally yeah all right we got an mma good guy alert mike davis fought in front of freaking mark zuckerberg although i'm not sure because it might have been before zuck got there but dude mike davis is a good guy thanks for the siren babe he fought valiantly (laughs) this weekend defeating borshev via unanimous decision he went on the mic afterwards saying he's ready to fight and the only reason why it won't happen fast enough is because he doesn't have a following and so he asked to get 100,000 followers in a really good guy, sweet kind of way. By the way, he only got up to 40K as of today, so oh, I was just follow gonna him if you're so inclined. Why is he a good guy, you may ask? Uh, he probably didn't get to 100K because nobody watched that freaking thing anyway. <laughs> well, come on. It's Mike Davis MMA. You could do it. 
Everyone, yeah, go follow him. Mike Davis MMA. What is he up to now? 40.5K. All right, all right, all right. Why is he a good guy, you may ask? He's been through a really tough couple of years, and we don't know the full story, but it seems like during the pandemic, he lost his home, and he's been struggling with struggling with injury <laughs> and money to keep a roof over his head. He's had a series of unfortunate fight situations where either hit him or his opponent has pulled out. His two losses in the UFC were to Sadiq Youssef during uh, Dana White's Contender Series, who is a freaking stud and Gilbert Burns who took his back and choked him out neither of these are losses to be upset about or to hang your head about because they're freaking serious fighters mm -hmm. he KO'd Thomas Gifford into another dimension back into 2019 which is pretty rough on the Joanna versus uh, Watterson card which we definitely watched because that's when Cubby Bear beat the fuck out of Crone Gracie you remember that <laughs> no <laughs> which it might have actually been while we were on vacation I think about it but I don't remember actually I think it might have been home, but whatever. Davis's next fight wasn't until January 2021 when he beat Welsh prospect Mason Jones by decision on Fight Island. We saw that fight live because we were still traveling to Fight Island in those days. The fight was excellent and won fight of the night, and we remember that. Now, after a long layoff, Mike Davis came back with the win. I watched some of his training videos today at work, or yesterday when I wrote this, and he represented this class of talent that is prevalent in UFC. He's so fucking good. He's exciting. He's technical, and he is down to put on entertaining fights for the audience. He's literally only lost to the elite level or super special rising stars, and we want to see more of him. So Yeah. All right. I love this shout out. I feel like we haven't had a good guy who we've never spoken about before alert in a long time yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going back to our holding hands throwing fist roots of shouting out people who need a little bit more attention in the mma spotlight world yeah anything else babe no that was a really really fun one thanks boo thanks you this episode is brought to you by coolio rest in peace gangsta 